Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello, friends. It's nice to have you back to the Constructionist Podcast. And I'm just going to say up front that God hates a mixture. So now that I got that out, that God hates a mixture, let me tell you what I mean by that. There are places throughout the Bible that God gets very, very upset when he sees his people bringing in outside influences to a real and true and proper worship of him. And he doesn't like that. So what we talked about several weeks ago, probably several months ago, and one of our early sessions on signs of the end times, I think it might have been almost the first session on signs of the end times, was this idea of deception. So Jesus says in Matthew 24, when you read that chapter and 25, the Olivet Discourse, he says about four times, don't be deceived. Don't let the world deceive you. Don't let this event or the the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, have an influence in your thinking. If you have that happen, then you'll end up being deceived. So he says this several times, don't be deceived. That's actually the very first thing he says. He says, let no one deceive you. And then he carries on with his talk on various signs of the times. So this idea of deception is important because over the years, in my life anyway, as I've watched the church and seen the trends and looked at what's been going on around the world, uh, I see that there really is sort of a deception going on. And the, the thing with deception is, is the people being deceived don't know that they're deceived. And the people who are doing the deceiving sometimes know that they're doing the deceiving, or at the very least, they think it's a ruse what they're putting on. Um, but they also maybe deceive themselves and they think that what they're doing is correct. Now, there are people at the top who really do know it's a ruse. I'm thinking back to the days of guys like Robert Tilton, who had a TV show and he was one of these money preachers. I don't know if you remember the money preachers of the 80s, Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagan and Robert Tilton and people like that, Creflo Dollar. Most of their teaching is sort of this weird view that if you send money to them because they're God's anointed or whatever, that God will then return back to you tenfold or a hundredfold or whatever it is. And they call money a seed and you send in your seed and so you've planted it and then it will grow and bear fruit. Now, the only people that really get rich off that scheme are the people who are doing the false teaching on the matter. And there was an expose done on Robert Tilton where he actually, uh, somebody infiltrated his ministry headquarters, if you want to call it a ministry, it wasn't, and had video footage of him, of his staff taking prayer requests out of envelopes and throwing them in the trash and then cashing the checks or putting the checks in a pile where he would cash them. And he came back after that expose 
And uh, he claimed that, you know, he rolled around on all those prayer requests. He had him in a big room that he, that he rolled around on them and prayed. And the ink got in, the ink from all those notes got into his bloodstream and caused medical problems and things like that. It's, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It's pretty sad. But that stuff should be so obvious. It should be so clear. You don't have to read the Bible more than once to realize that nowhere does it teach, certainly in the New Testament, that God's going to bless you with hundreds of millions of dollars if you give $100 or $1,000 to some guy. It's just the, it, the, the pattern is not there anywhere in the Bible. Everything in the Bible that has a kind of temporal picture to it is speaking about some spiritual reality. And more and more and more, what you see in the Bible is this idea of a slow, steady growth. And we can look around the world and see gardens and see forests growing and see that it's actually things like manure and compost and pressure that create strength and blessing. And we've talked about this before, the weightlifter who starts out with 100 pounds and then slowly works his way up to 500 and 800 pounds or whatever those power lifters can lift. They didn't start out lifting 800 pounds. They had to start out small and they built up. Gardens start small, seeds start small, but you got to dump manure on them to get them to grow. They have to push their way out. Gethsemane, where Jesus actually went to pray before his crucifixion means olive press. It was a place where he was pressed. Wine is created by time and pressure smashing the grapes. Olive oil, which is very valuable, is created by pressing the olives. So these kind of pictures are much more prolific in the scripture than this idea of just send in money and if you have faith, God will come back with a $10,000 or $100,000 or whatever. I'm saying all that to say that people who got caught up in that sadly are deceived, were deceived, but now it's much more subtle. It's much more clever what the devil is doing. So there are people today, like for instance, uh, someone like Joel Austin. I have seen him on television say the exact opposite of what the scripture says. And he says it to a group of 20 or 30 or 40,000 people that sit in his former basketball stadium of a church. And they all smile and nod their heads. And I remember him saying, and this was broadcast on television, you know, anybody could pull it up and watch it. He said, when you are, when you are in the anointing, you just slide through life. Everything comes easy to you. You just slide through life when you're under the anointing, is what he said. Well, Jesus Christ is the anointed. He is the personification of the anointed, of being anointed. And what happened to him? He did not slide through life. He was ridiculed. He was maligned. He was betrayed. He was yelled at. There were multiple attempts on his life uh, to, to put him to death. Eventually, he was crucified. He was whipped and hung up on that cross, stark naked and in pain and ridicule and suffering. And in it all, he said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And then he resurrected from the dead. So Jesus is no different than what I was just saying about those other pictures of 
uh, pressure and having to go through the difficulty and fighting through the thing, wrestling all night in prayer or whatever the picture happens to be in the Bible. These kind of things are real and they're there to strengthen you and your faith. So Joel Austin slaying you just slide through life when you're in the anointing and everything is smooth and you just glide along. That's actually completely incorrect. And he is wrong in what he said. So this is still out there. It's still true. It's still something that we need to be highly aware of. So I started out by saying that God hates a mixture. And I'm saying that on the back of having recently been reading through Ezekiel. And if you go to Ezekiel 8, 9, 10, 11, what you'll find there is this shocking portrayal of what Ezekiel saw. God was revealing to him what was taking place in the temple. Now, this is the temple, mind you. This is the temple that was built based on a pattern that God gave to David and was built by Solomon and then was filled with the presence of the Lord where he dwelt, just like he did in the wilderness in the tabernacle. God's presence came down and filled the temple and there was that cloud above it and fire ignited the altar straight from God and these things were all ordained by the Lord. By the time Ezekiel comes around, so we're talking like 400 years later, Ezekiel comes around and this is what he sees. He's shown in the temple people who are worshiping an image of jealousy. That's the first thing he sees is is people worshiping an image of jealousy. Now that kind of sets the tone for the rest of what Ezekiel sees. But an image of jealousy is basically anything that provokes God to be jealous over you. So think about it in a, in a married relationship. You have this couple and they're married and they've been together five, six, seven years and the wife starts to stray and she maybe has a job and there's some cute guy and maybe her and her husband had an argument or something, but he wants to make his marriage work. He loves his wife, but she's like all frustrated at something or other. And so she gets wooed by this other guy who is kind of speaks to her in flowery ways and the husband finds out about it and he's enraged with jealousy. Now I worked with a guy that this exact sort of thing happened. He had been with this girl, they weren't actually married, but he had been with this girl for like five or six or seven years. They kind of grew up together from high school onwards and they were living together. And he wanted to marry this girl, but then she had an affair and he was just tore up about it. And the guy that she had the affair with, um, he was afraid that, that this chap that I worked with was going to come and like show up over the weekend with a gun and like shoot him in his house and stuff like that. So, you know, these kind of things are very real and they do happen. I know another guy that actually uh, it was before he became a Christian, but he uh, had an affair with this lady who was married and he ended up moving away and like moved halfway across the country to get away from the situation. And uh, so these things happen. And that's this idea of jealousy. God is viciously jealous. That idea of jealousy in Hebrew is sort of like this burning, uh, uh, intense passion that God has toward his people. 
because the, the pictures of God with Israel and Christ with the church are ones of marriage. God marries Israel. He has a wife. The book of Hosea is all full of this. Hosea is told to marry a prostitute, and then he constantly has to go and get her back and go and get her back. And God's like, that's what I'm like with you. That's what God is saying. So these pictures in the Bible are very stark and they're very blunt. And so what God shows Ezekiel in the temple is that they're worshiping an image of jealousy. So any image, anything that you create in your mind that's not totally defined by the scripture, anything that you give your attention and your time and your effort to, any sort of um, an image of whatever. So pornography is full of images. And these are things that, that many believers, I know uh, of a couple, I've met them, that they got a divorce because the man just could not get over his pornography issue. And so the wife just flat out left him, much to the, um, not the counsel of her church. I'll put it that way. Her church was not seeking for her to get a divorce, but she chose to anyway because of outside counsel. But it was, he was addicted to these images and it ended up destroying his marriage. So these are very real things and they destroy people's lives. They cause a much emotional distraught and they're not healthy or good or right and they should be avoided at all costs. So this image of jealousy was set up. It doesn't tell us what it is. It's vague. It just says image of jealousy, but put in whatever you want. My dad had to give up motorcycles when he first became a believer because he recognized that they had a hold on his heart. He, he spent way too much time with his motorcycles. And so he gave them up. He knew another guy that was the same way with baseball. He had to give it up. He wouldn't go to baseball games. He wouldn't watch it on television just because he knew that it had such a grip on his heart. And so these are things. Now, eventually my dad did get back into motorcycles, but it was with a group of guys at church and it was in a controlled environment. And they did it on, you know, occasionally on the weekends with their, you know, wife's approval or whatever. It wasn't something that consumed him. So it was an image of jealousy. That was the first thing that he saw, but it was in the temple. God takes Ezekiel straight to the temple and he shows him this image of jealousy. Then he turns around and says, see that hole in the wall? Go in there and dig it out. So he sees this hole in the wall, which is a weakness. It's a crack in the wall that shouldn't be there. And when he goes into it, he discovers a door. Why would there be a door behind a crack in the wall? That doesn't make any sense. But Ezekiel, it's a picture of what God is trying to show us is that every time you see a weakness, you need to go to that weakness and ultimately you should repair it. You should not allow it to stay there. Ezekiel went through an unrepaired weakness in the wall and in it, he found a door and he opened the door. And what does he see? He sees a load of guys in there burning incense which is all incense burning is fine, but they were doing it in secret. It was this sort of evil thing that they were doing in there in the dark, it says. So what was happening was this sort of spiritual experience that they were taking part of, but it was happening in the dark and they were doing it in secret because they didn't want anyone to see. And one of the guys there that was doing it was called Jeazaniah. And Jeazaniah means the Lord hears. So remember that. Then God takes Ezekiel around to a different part of the temple. And what he sees there is a bunch of women weeping for Tammuz. And Tammuz was a female fertility god. And they were weeping for her. Now, back in the day, 
it was a horrible thing, a lot of these false religions where they would sacrifice little babies to Molech and different gods like that. And you can do research and find out what kind of wicked false god that Tammuz was. But these women were weeping for her. It was like the girl's thing to do was to get involved in that. And we see this today where women are actually protesting. This happened just in this last week when Roe versus Wade was overturned in the U.S. Supreme Court. And there's women who are protesting and they're screaming for the right to kill their own baby. Now that to me is wicked. <laughs> why would, you know, why would a, a woman who is endowed with the gift of bringing life into the world and nurturing that life and raising it up to be a responsible and honorable member of society before God. That's what women were there for. And yet she's screaming out, I want to kill my baby is basically what she's saying. I want to kill my baby. It, this is no different than this ancient uh, religious practices of giving over your babies to Molech where they are burned on the altar live is what they actually did. When abortions take place, they are literally sacrificing a live baby so they can have some kind of freedom in their life to do what they want. I can't remember which lady it was. It was some celebrity that said that she'd had a couple of abortions and they freed her to live her life the way she wanted to live it. Well, that's exactly what happened back in the old days. And God is condemning this kind of thing. So when these, when these women you know, are in this frenzy like this, it's actually a very, very bad thing. And God is showing Ezekiel this and calling this an abomination. It is something that he abhors is what it is. And then God takes Ezekiel around to the front of the temple, which faces east where the sun is rising. And in that location, they have people who are praying to the sun as it rises up. So they're worshiping the sun is what it says that they're doing. Now, this is very similar to environmentalism where they're giving honor to nature, to, uh, to the creation. So when you read Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about when people elevate creation over the creator. And when they give glory and honor to creation over the creator, it's, that's idolatry. They're worshiping the earth. They're worshiping the, the stars and the sun. And God calls this an abomination. Now, remember what I said at the beginning, that God hates a mixture. And all of this is being done in the temple. It is a place that was ordained by God for clean and pure and sanctified worship to him and to him alone. And God has shown Ezekiel four things taking place in this temple. All of them he calls an abomination. And he says, I'll show you greater and I'll show you greater. And so it builds up is what it's doing. In Ezekiel's tour of the temple, these things are becoming more and more prominent. And so if we look around us, I mean, I'm sh telling you that these kind of things are sort of basically happening today. We need to be aware that there are people out there who are calling themselves Christians and they're, f they're getting sucked into all of this stuff that is uh, veering them away from a clean and true worship of God. So, should image of jealousy? No, we need to be totally devoted to the Lord our God. He is the one that we should be having relationship with, not, be, not causing him to be jealous for us like Hosea was for his wife.
go read the book of Hosea. What about prayer? These things should not be done in any sort of selfish way or a way that that provokes God to any sort of um, closing his ears. Oh, I wanted to say about Jeazaniah. There was a one Jeazaniah at the beginning in chapter uh, 8, I believe. And then when you get to chapter 11, verse 1, there's another Jeazaniah. Now those names, the name Jeazaniah, two different guys, means the Lord hears. But in reality, God is not hearing them because if you read through from chapter 8 through chapter 11, in the middle there, it says that the Lord will not hear. Now that's the word Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God will not hear them. But Jeazaniah, those two men, that means to hear, but it's this idea of putting your hand up to your ear so you can hear better what is being said. And so when that happens, these men were not doing that. They were doing the opposite of that. They were closing their ears to God and allowing themselves to get wrapped up in all of this abomination. So God hates a mixture. Seek purity. Seek truth. Seek exactly how things are defined in the scripture and apply those things to your life. And God bless you. And if you've been encouraged by this and are enjoying these, please share them with other people. It would be great if everyone who listens shares. Listen, share. I like sharing podcasts. I just shared podcasts the other day with a whole bunch of people um, who were being blessed by, by it. But please share and please take advantage of our mailing list and our a course on understanding how to interpret the Bible, both of which you can find links in the show notes. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.